Welcome to Impact, podcast ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. Impact features interviews with gifted Bible teachers who will help you gain a greater understanding of Scripture so that it has a greater impact on your life. The host of Impact is Mark Jenstead, the Staff Minister for Nurture at St. Andrew. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hi, everyone. This time that you are spending with God's Word is time well spent. The Holy Spirit is with us through the Word, ready to further equip us for service in the kingdom of our Father. Today we'll talk about the final chapter of Peter's second epistle, and that will enable us to look ahead to Judgment Day, a day that we can look forward to because of our victorious Savior, Jesus. Let's say a prayer, and then we'll get going and meet today's guest. Dear Father in heaven, all glory be to you for giving us life and salvation through your Son, Jesus. Bless us as we turn to your powerful word today. Strengthen our faith in you. Keep us ready for our Savior's return. And Father, also help us to see we depend on you for every need we have for body and soul. Finally, because we depend on you, Father, we humbly ask you to give us what you know we need. Amen. Folks, it's great to have you listening to this podcast today. Your prayers are always appreciated. Ask God to bless this ministry and the ministry of our impact guests. And today the impact guest is Pastor Greg Lyon, Wisconsin Lutheran College. Welcome back. It's great to be back. Yeah, we're wrapping up Second Peter now. We've really been at this for a little while, haven't we? Second Peter chapter three. Yeah. And then uh, and then in the future, I have I have two options for you. You mentioned Hebrews. Yep. I also want you to consider James. Okay. It'd be a good book to go through. I will think about it live on the air. Yeah, okay. And then when we're done, (laughs) you tell me which one you decided. Yeah, it makes for compelling radio when everybody just sits and listens to me think. We're not on the radio. Podcast. I'm still, I'm old-ish. It's like radio. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, so uh, it's Friday as we record, Friday in early March, and you are starting spring break in about four hours. Yeah. What's the plan? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Spring break for me is not going to be break at all, really. I'm uh, I'm wrapping up a degree at uh, Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, and I am finishing up putting the final pieces on my thesis. So my whole next week will be spent wrapping that up, and then hopefully, God willing, turn it in a week from today. And uh, my family and I are going to go to a water park on Saturday and Sunday to celebrate, celebrate my freedom. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, give us just a little bit of uh, insight into your thesis. Yeah. So I'm preaching on, or writing on preaching. It's uh, The title of it is Preaching to the Silent Choir. Um, the idea is there are a lot of people who are sitting in our churches that have been through just horrific experiences that um, they're not ready to talk about out loud. And we may not know all the different trauma that exists in our churches. So how can pastors preach with a trauma-informed lens? Um, not that we have to walk on eggshells when we preach a sermon, but maybe there's a few texts that we read differently. I'll, I'll just give you one really quick example. Um, 
On Christmas Day, we often hear the text from Isaiah 9, 2 to 7, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Um, Isaiah 9, 5 talks about the soldiers' boots that were covered in blood will be burned in the fire. And I've preached on that text so many times. I've never thought about the veteran who could be sitting in my church who hears that text and um, just struggles with the images of boots that were literally covered in blood and to know that God sees that too and and that God has a message for you too. So many examples in the scriptures of those kind of things that it's really been interesting for me to to research, pick up on, and and write about. That's been fun. Very good. And the, the finish line is in sight. Yes. So God's yes. blessings as you wrap it up. Thank you. It's been a long time, long project, I bet. It has been. It has been. And yeah, time to put a bow on it and be done. Very good. Second Peter chapter 3. Uh, folks, if you're able, open up your Bibles and have it in front of you as we go through this today. Otherwise, uh, please take time to read this entire chapter. Second Peter chapter 3. We'll uh, kind of cherry-pick these verses, but I think for the most part we'll uh, touch on just about every verse in this final chapter of the Apostle Peter, although we are jumping up to uh, verse 2 here right away. So verse 2 says, I want you to recall the words of the prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior. Pastor Jesus gave more than one command, mm-hmm. so what, what command do you think Peter is referring to here? Yeah, or maybe we should start with what the options are. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a few different options. I was going to go there anyways. Uh, you know, where my brain first goes would be the command on Monday, Thursday, where Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. Um, you also have the ascension um, command to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing. Um, but then you could also look at a broader command that might be considered a, a command to believe. Now, good Christians that we are, we're going to hear that kind of command and say, whoa, wait a second, I, a command to believe? I, I don't know about that. sounds law-y to me, and, and you're right. Um, but this amazing truth that God equips us with what he commands of us. So, so if he commands that we believe— um, he's going to use his powerful word to create that faith in our hearts. So he gives us what he requires in the gospel. Um, so I think you could go a number of different directions with command. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm ready to speak authoritatively on it, but I think regardless of whether you're looking at love, um, faith, go, they're all kind of intertwined anyways. Um, if you have that love, you're going to see the souls next to you that need to hear about Jesus. And if you have that love and you want to go, well, that would be rooted in faith, you know, so they all interplay. Um, so I don't know. Which one do you want to nail down? Well, I, I have a different question. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not going to nail one down either, but my question is this. We don't do a very good job of obeying any of God's Ten Commandments or these New Testament commands of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Why should we not be driven into despair? Yeah, because the old Adam in us doesn't do a very good job of obeying because the old Adam hates God's law. But if we remember that we are rooted in Christ, that Christ has brought us to faith and has, uh, this is Romans 6 language, he's connected us to him in his resurrection. Uh, Our baptisms connected us to him in his resurrection. We have a new man in us that rejoices at every single 
ought to or should or whatever, the new man rejoices in that and looks for opportunities to live that godly life that Peter is going to talk about in this chapter. So um, I can despair in my sinful nature, but I can also give thanks for the new man that God has given me. So um, if you're one of those who are despairing in the sinful nature, that I can't live this perfect life that God has called me to live, um, what do we do then? We look back at the cross of Christ and we see what Christ has done to us. We done for us. Uh, we go back to our baptism and re- we remember the new man, uh, daily contrition and repentance, and and that new man is brought to us. Um, doesn't this highlight the need, the constant need for a Savior um, and, and the freedom that we have in him to live that new life? And then how about this thought, Pastor? Jesus kept these commands in our place perfectly. Mm-hmm. Not only did he take our sins away for failing to keep these commands, but he did it in our place. Yeah, yeah. He is not just our divine example. He's our divine substitute. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Verse 3 talks about scoffers, Pastor. That word scoffer, in this context, what does it mean? Yeah, I mean, um, Peter's talking about those who are scoffing at the idea of Judgment Day, right? He's making, almost making fun of Peter, like... You said that this Jesus was going to come back. We haven't seen him yet. And how interesting that this was, what, 30-some years after Jesus left. And um, I I think we have a lot of evidence in the New Testament that the apostles thought, like, he's going to come back before we die. You know, they were were ready. Um, And here we are 2,000 years later. How much more so are those scoffers? scoffing. So if we already saw that in Peter's day, should we be surprised at all that we still see this in our day? This phrase that Peter uses at the end of verse 3, he says about the scoffers that they follow their own evil desires. That that sounds like a 180 from thy will be done. Yeah, right. Um, and again, do we see anything different now that when we're looking at our own evil desires, um, these people were not looking for the coming of Christ. Their eyes were not—Peter uh, uses language elsewhere about um, we are strangers in this land. These scoffers are not strangers in this land. This was their home. This is their be-all, end-all. This is their only hope. Um, but Peter just constantly wants to direct our eyes ahead. So if if you have a conversation with someone that you know that uh, you have a relationship with, not just someone off the street, but you have a relationship with someone and they're scoffing— mm-hmm at the idea that that Jesus will one day return. What where would you go? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um I think I wonder if a place to start. I'm going to throw out an idea to you and just see what you think and and bounce back. Um even if even if you're completely thinking that like there's no way Jesus is going to come back. I don't even know who this Jesus is. I wonder if starting with the idea of how how are the things that you're relying on now? working for you. Because I think if we take a good hard look at the things that we've trusted on this side of heaven, we're going to see that we were let down time and again. Um, you think about like, if I if I just get this job, then my whole life will be better. Then you get the job and you realize the job didn't give me the satisfaction I wanted. Um, or the, the latest iPhone is the other example that always comes up. As soon as I get a new iPhone, I want the next one, right? 
we're always looking for those things that are going to ultimately satisfy. So rather than trying to prove Jesus is going to come back, I wonder if you could tap into what's lacking in your life, because we all feel it. I think we all feel it, if, if we're honest with ourselves. So I don't know. What, what do you think of that as a starting point? A fantastic place to start. Oh, well, thank you. A couple of <laughs> thoughts I have. One would be share the word and let the word work. You, you said this, I think, at a previous, on a previous podcast. You just let, let the lion out of the cage. Yeah, that's right. Let yeah. God's word do its work. And it's not necessarily, and it, it, very unlikely it's going to work right then mm-hmm. on the spot. Mm-hmm. But share the word and let the word work in God's time. Another thought would be, okay, let's not talk about Judgment Day. Let's talk about the day that you're going to die. Yeah, you agree that yeah. one day you are going to die Yeah, yeah. And, and see where that conversation goes. Yeah. Just one other quick thought I'll throw in there. Uh, somebody shared this with me in a different context. They said, it's, it's good for us to remember that the people of this earth are on a journey that we may not ever see the end to. So if I'm interacting with somebody... Um, it's good for me to remember that that person may be on a certain kind of journey of faith. And and I may never, with my physical eyes, see the end of that journey. But I never know, right? That's the letting the lion out of its cage. I never know. Can I put a little pebble in their shoe that's just going to stick with them? And, and, and God will work things out in his way in his time. I'm guessing at one point in his life, maybe his entire life, a thief on the cross was scoffing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he's in heaven. Yeah, absolutely. How about verse 5? Peter is still referring to these scoffers. He said, They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. That phrase, they deliberately forget. What's the difference between forgetting something and deliberately forgetting something? Yeah, I, I wonder, uh, and this is a bit of me thinking out loud, I wonder if the distinction is not between deliberately forgetting and forgetting but deliberately forgetting and um, the kind of ignorance that Paul talks about. I don't have the reference right in front of me. Um, your listeners can can look that up and remind me what that reference is. But Paul talks about the ignorance that that God was patient with me because I was because I was ignorant. Um, ignorance is not an excuse. Um, but Paul mentions that now deliberately forgetting. It seems that Peter's talking to people who have heard the word. So their scoffing at the idea of a judgment day implies they have heard us, you know, us Christians saying that that Jesus is going to return. So, and, and it seems that Peter's not talking to people who are unfamiliar with the rest of Scripture, with the Old Testament. Um, so is he saying here, why are you putting blinders on to what you already know has been said? So deliberately forgetting um, in the sense of choosing not to hear that part as applied to what I'm going through right now or what I'm seeing right now. I think people do that all the time. They deliberately tune out what they're, what the world, uh, God's created world is is showing them, telling yeah. them yeah. there is a God, there is a God, and one day you will have to answer to him. And 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 the message on the inside that tells people that there is a God and, and I'm not measuring up and people just deliberately tune that out because they don't want to hear it. Yeah. And I mean, isn't that true of us Christians too? When I think of the times that I know God's promises and yet my experience right now is telling me that God isn't with me. 
Am I deliberately forgetting that promise in those difficult times? Maybe you could make that argument. Um, but I, I I think it's good for us to know, to, to remain humble enough to know that there are times that I do this too, that, um, that I just overlook the promises of God because this thing happened, right? So, yeah. All right, Pastor, I want to go to verse 7, which is a warning. Basically, the message is the word was used to create the world and flood the world. And the same word will be used to destroy the world and its scoffers. First, let's get a comment from you on that. Then I have a specific question. Yeah. I, I, I think this verse just highlights the power of God's word. Um, we, we often talk about the power of God's word in a positive sense, that God's word has creative power. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2, right? The whole world came into being from God's powerful word. Um, but not only does it have physically, not only is it a physically powerful word, it's also a spiritually powerful word, right? He brings uh, people from spiritual death to spiritual life through the power of his word. So God's word has creative power. What a blessing. Well, is it a blessing? <laughs> what a difficult thing to understand then that God's word also has destructive power. Um, that I, I, Psalm 2 comes to mind, and I, I think I've referenced Psalm 2 on more than one occasion where um, the nation set themselves up, a God, uh, up against God and, and God just laughs at them. God can bring you down with the power of his word. So it's good for us. You know, we talk about fear of the Lord as an awe and respect thing, which is absolutely true. It's good for us, though, sometimes to take stock of what God can do and and just stand in humility before this God who can snap you like a twig if he wanted to. Um, but then doesn't that highlight his grace? The God who could do absolutely horrible things to this world if he wanted to lets it continue to spin because of his grace and his mercy. And his patience, which and comes up patience, soon. And his patience, yes. I want to read verse 7, folks. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. So that's a warning, Pastor. So here's my question about warnings in Scripture. Are they for believers, or are the warnings in Scripture for you and I to tell unbelievers there is a God and this is what he says? I I think— it's good for us as believers to take it first and foremost for ourselves. Um, Paul offers those encouragements, right? That that he says, if you think you're standing firm, watch out. Um, we theologically we we don't teach a once saved always saved idea that we can fall from grace, right? So that is a warning for us. Um, I think though, if we don't take it first as a warning for us, um. But then we stand on the street corner with our signs that say, repent, the kingdom of, of heaven is near. Um, then we're, we're missing some good gospel opportunities. It's a gospel that changes hearts. Um, so it's, it's good for us to remember that. So I, I guess my inclination is to say yes. The answer to the question is yes. But um, in humility, I think it's good for us to apply it first to ourselves see the warning for ourselves, and then that's going to highlight the important need 
um, that that Peter's going to continue to talk about in staying rooted in God's word, continue to grow in that grace and knowledge. Verse 18, we'll get to that one later. But um, that constant reminder for us, I think, is an important place to start. Verse 8 says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. And there's that phrase that Peter starts this chapter with, dear friends. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. It's a verse just about every Christian knows, I mm-hmm. think. What, what, is, what is the point of the verse, and then what are the implications for us? I, I think the point of the verse is, if in the direct context, he's talking about these scoffers, right, that, that are saying, where's, where's your God? Is he coming back? Um, so the direct context is God's not going to measure out time the way that you think he's going to measure out time or that you think he ought to. A broader message for us, though, is we need to be patient because God is, God is incredibly patient with us. Um, and, and his timeline is not going to work on our timeline. And thank God for that. Um, because if, if God had the same kind of patience we did, um, man, I think this world would have been destroyed a whole lot sooner. But, but this, this idea of God's abounding patience with us, uh, is, is a really neat thing. And and let me just throw this, this other thought out. There's this really weird interplay between eternity and time (laughs) that, that this verse makes reference to, it's not like we go to heaven and one day is going to equal a thousand years, right? So, so we're not, we're not putting a definite time on it, but, but Peter's using this as an analogy of this massive amount of time living outside of, outside of time and eternity. It's really hard for us to wrap our heads around what eternity is because Eternity doesn't start on a calendar. Like, we're not going to be turning calendar dates. We're not going to be watching clocks in eternity. It's outside of time. That gets into crazy meta, meta whatever, universal kind of things that, that I don't know that I'm ready to talk about. But um, it it's okay for us to just take away from this verse, God doesn't work on your timeline. And thank God for that, because he is incredibly more patient than we are. Okay, and verse 10 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. So here's the, here's the retort to the scoffers. Mm-hmm. Peter says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, mm-hmm. not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But not everyone will, Pastor. Yep. So here's the question. Why does, why does the sovereign Lord not get what he wills? He always gets what he wills. At the same time, um, sometimes I will something different. Um, so you you get into some talking about the topic of God's providence can be a tricky thing, um, because there's 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 a phrase that I want to throw out there and let everybody just kind of stew on. Um, foreknowledge does not equal causation. Um, and I, I think that's an important thing for us to remember when it comes to God's will. Just because God foreknew something would happen doesn't mean that God caused it to happen. Um, the, the most terrifying thing about God's will 
is when he says, I'm going to set aside what I will, and I'm going to give you what you will. That's a terrifying thing. Um, I actually had uh, the pastor at my church where I go was talking about this in Bible study a couple weeks ago. Um, when when he said, if you've, if you've spent your entire life saying, I want this God, I want that God, I want this God, I want that God, even if you're not naming these other things as God, hell is essentially saying, fine, have it your way. Um, and what a terrifying thing for us to have it our way. It's not as if God did not want you to be saved, but God simply turned you over, simply, God turned you over to what you wanted and finally gave, you want to be God? You want to follow God? Go right ahead. Um, now you get to live your life apart from God. Um, but that can be a tricky thing. So there's so much more that we could talk about with God's providence. Um, there's fancy phrases like his antecedent will, his, you know, all, all those other things that we don't need to get into today. C.S. Lewis said there's two kinds of people in this world. Mm -hmm. Those that say, thy will be done. Mm -hmm. And those that say, my will right. be done. Yeah, yeah. And in the end, what you're saying is God will say, okay, your will be done. You yeah. want you want life without me. Here's eternity without me. Yeah, yeah. What a terrifying warning that is for all of us. Yeah. The day of the Lord will come like a thief is verse 10. That's Jesus' language. He used that in Matthew 24. Peter was listening carefully, and mm -hmm. he, he writes that here. What's the reason for telling us this, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief? Yeah, I think it's a, an urgency to wait, <laughs> which is kind of an odd thing to say. Um, but the apostles definitely put this urgency before us. Um, it, it, it's not halftime, right? We're in the middle of the game right now. Um, we may be at the five-yard line ready to score a touchdown and enter into heaven, or we may be at the opposite five-yard line. We got a long way to go. Either way, we're not taking a play off, right? We're going we're gonna to keep going. We're going to keep living our lives looking forward. Um, so, so Peter will make this reference. Paul will make this reference. This uh, Jesus does too, right? Um, don't let your guard down. Be alert. Be ready. And, and Peter's going to dig into that in, in this chapter as well. So we'll get to that, how we are ready, how we stay yeah. ready, how we get ready. The second half of verse 10, Pastor, the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Thoughts on that verse? Yeah, I don't know. Do you want uh, a whole new heaven and a whole new earth, or, or as was suggested, um, a remodeled earth? Um, again, I'm not sure that I'm ready to come down authoritatively on either side of that. I've, I've heard very compelling arguments on both sides, but I think the point is clear. The overall point that the earth that, that you see right now is not going to exist in eternity in the way that you see it right now. Um, and, and I've used this in talking to students before who get so hung up on their job or their degree or their GPA or whatever. And, and sometimes I'll, I'll flippantly say something like, you realize in the end it's all going to burn up, right? Um, sometimes a perspective 
is valuable for us. Um, when I put all my eggs, as I mentioned before, the, the iPhone, I put all my eggs in the iPhone basket. And if I just had this one thing, my life would be complete. Well, no, that thing's going to burn up in the end. Um, so, so it just, it, it helps us realize that what we have right now is finite. It's not an infinite existence. So rather than, than putting our entire life on this one thing, um, keep it in perspective, enjoy the life you have right now and, and appreciate it for what it is, a gift that God has given you to enjoy today. Um, but it's not a God that's going to carry you into eternity. It's all going to burn up in the end. Um, and thank God for that, because what he gives us will last forever. And that thought, Pastor, reminds me of a verse in Peter's first letter, chapter 1. He says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance, and here it is, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's a question, Pastor, about Judgment Day. I know that God does not have a calendar on his wall. But just for the sake of this question, let's, let's imagine that he does. So does God have the day and the hour circled on his heavenly calendar? That's Judgment Day. And so I have things to do before that happens. And I'm going to make sure they all get done before that date arrives. Or do you think it's God is making sure everything is done, and when everything is done, everything is ready, then the end will come? Yeah, what a fascinating question. I I just really had not thought about that. Um, So as I'm thinking somewhat on the fly here— or you can I, say, Mark, that's a ridiculous question. Mark, Let's move that's on. a ridiculous question. Let's move on. No. Um, Jesus does say the hour is known, right? He he makes that reference in, in Matthew, I think, um, where he says, the Father knows. Um, but then he says this interesting that the Son of Man doesn't know, which that gets into the dual nature of Christ, that a different topic for a different day. But... The more I think about it, I think it's a both and. If he had a calendar, it's circled. The day is circled because the Father knows. But he's so good at what he does that he knows exactly when that puzzle is going to come together. And and again, he's looking at our time from the perspective of eternity. He sees the whole thing already done. So he knows how it's always going to work. My, my theory is... Um, that uh, God's waiting for this one child to be baptized. Uh, and I have nothing to prove this, but I just love this idea that that a child is baptized, brought into the family of believers through water and the word, and then the trumpet blasts like that kid is going to get a special spot in heaven because he's the one that brought upon uh, Judgment Day. Well, Matthew it, 23 does say that the, the, the gospel will go out yeah. into all the world, and then the end will come. Yes, yeah. So that's why I love the idea of just this, you know, a little podunk church somewhere or, or in an emergency room or something in a hospital, a very lowly, humble place that God's word reaches that one more person. Uh, just a neat thought. All right, Pastor, I think we're going we're gonna to call this good for today. Can you come back next week and finish 2 Peter chapter 3? I don't think I'm in a position to say no. Because there's some good stuff yeah. yet to come. And I don't want to rush through it. 
In fact, one of the phrases that is coming is speed it's coming. Mm -hmm. So that, let's not let's not rush through it. And let's come back next week and then, and then I will ask you, okay, what's it going to be next? Cuz we're done with second Peter, is it going to be Hebrews or is it going to be James? Right. So I really got to start thinking. Okay. Perfect. Folks, I'll leave you with this thought, a prayer from Martin Luther. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Thank you for listening to Impact, a ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. If you have a question or feedback to share, send an email to impact at saint-andrew-online.org. Please tell your friends and family about Impact and keep this ministry in your prayers. Impact is new every Monday and all past episodes are available. The greater you understand scripture, the greater impact it will have on your life.